Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. City Church, uh, but eight hours ago, the church that you built, they had church in your building, so that's Local City Church here, and you got a Local City Church out in the bush of Africa, and we are believing God that you are going to build your second one, one every year, and we're so grateful that you're partnering with us, so grateful uh, that you guys chose us. There's a lot of people that you could choose to bless and to minister to, and you guys chose us. We don't take that lightly. We're very grateful uh, for what you've done. Matter of fact, our team went out today. I was just showing Pastor Ryan the rains were so bad. Uh, we built a church uh, in my absence there this week. Matter of fact, just in the course of the last several months, we've been building a church every single week, and God has been so good. Uh, but this year, we're averaging a church every 10 days, and the Lord is just doing incredible things. We now are doing what we call the triangle of hope. Since I saw you last, God gave this, dropped this down from heaven to us to do, which is more money to raise. I keep telling God if he could find a way that I could do all this without raising money, that would be awesome. Uh, but you do what you got to do to further the cause of Christ. Amen. Uh, and so I cherish every yes we hear because I hear many no's. But we are now... Uh, going in remote areas uh, through God's really prophetic voice uh, to do what we call Triangle of Hope. So we come in and we build a church, then we build a clinic, and then we build a school. Uh, Eight-classroom school holds 300 kids. Compassion International has joined with us, and they're going to pay for every single kid to go to school all the way up through university. And so we're excited. Got off the phone with Convoy of Hope a couple weeks ago. They're going to pay the food for all the kids of every school we build uh, for all the way up through university. And so, man, we're just so excited that these uh, giant organizations are teaming up with us. And, and man, our first year we built three churches, and we just thought we died and went to heaven. And this year we'll build 30 churches next year and two Triangle of Hopes. Uh, and we've already got given to us 40 acres, five different locations for, for, uh, to build Triangle of Hope. So we're super excited about what God is doing. This year we'll build two of those, and uh, we are blessed. We are blessed because you guys decided to be a blessing. That's the phrase. And so, man, I just want to get right into the message this morning. Uh, I, I don't have much time, but uh, I'm going to shove it all in. All right, you ready? Uh, man, you guys are starting a series of talks, uh, and I, I love that, where uh, David just says, Lord, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. One translation says, you prepare a six-course meal. I don't know about you, I've never had a six-course meal. In Africa, we have goat, and then goat, and then there's some goat, and that's, that's it, uh, but I love a good buffet, man. Uh, we were in Mexico. We got stuck. My three adult daughters were home holding down the fort. And But I've teach my daughters that uh, they don't need a man to do what God has called them to do. Have a man, because I want children, grandbabies. 
But uh, other than that, you guys can handle this, and they did it like champs, and we got stuck in Mexico. We got here early this morning. We're on about three and a half hours sleep, which is kind of what we do, and uh, we love it, and I'm going to go home and take a nap and watch my bucks win. Amen? <laughs> and so... Um, in this, knowing that, God has prepared a table not only for local city church, but he's prepared a table for you individually where God is, is, it wants to bless you. All the promises of God are on this table. And as I was thinking of these collections of talks, you know, I thought to myself, one of the ways and one of the things that are on that table is our reason. It's our cause. It's what gets us up in the morning and keeps us up late at night. And I think of the story of Samuel where David, and this thing has been preached a hundred times, and I'm really not going to be talking about this, but referring back to it, where David looks at this giant, and he looks at the army, and he begins to think in his mind and his heart when he knows that this giant is going to keep Israel from moving forward, from doing what it is that God wanted Israel to accomplish, Jerusalem to accomplish. And he looks at this whole thing before he was ever king, before he ever had a crown, before he ever had a title, and he looked around, he was just bringing a lunch to his brothers, and he looked around, and, and he's hearing this giant screaming and hollering and putting down everything that God wanted to build up. And he looked at this, and he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for taking out this giant? Is there not a reason the giant was not the cause. Listen to this. He was the obstacle. The giant is never the cause. All the stuff that you are going through, all the struggles to move forward in life and do what it is that God has called you to do, if you are not careful, that thing becomes your cause. Then you become a victim. And in 1 John, Chapter 4 and verse 18, he talks about you don't understand who God is and you walk in fear means you are walking in punishment. We look at this as I'm always in punishment. I'm always the victim. All these things are happening to us. We're never going to make it. So you look at your obstacle as the cause. He didn't look at the giant as a cause. He looked at it as the obstacle, that thing that needed to be eliminated so that he could move forward and do what it is. Oftentimes, we look at our addictions, our secrets, the things that nobody knows, all those other things. And then other times, we're looking at our causes as our businesses and our families and our marriages and our children. And all those things are my cause. Obviously, you know that we want to plant and build churches for Jesus. We want to build a 1,000 churches for God. If you kind of look at that in my age, we better... I got to go faster, amen? I got to do what it is. I don't know, every man in my family never lived past the age of 60 but one, and most of them died of alcoholism, and that's how God wanted to take me out. But I don't look as my recovery as my cause. I look at what my destiny is and what God wants me to do as my cause, and because of that, I know that I will stay in recovery and I will continue to do what God has called me to do. It's because I go to counseling so that I don't ruin my destiny. And some of you are going to have to learn to be able to say, I will do whatever it takes so that my cause happens. 
I've had to apologize to my wife. I've had to apologize to my children. I've had to do whatever it takes to keep those relationships, which is my cause, happening and moving. Whenever I preach, someone almost always tells me about their giant, about their mountain, and that's okay. But after that, I want to hear about your cause, that thing that's past the mountain. The Bible says, speak to the mountain. Remove that mountain so that you can get to the other side. The verses I want to talk about today are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Paul's having a moment here. He's remembering some things, and he's sharing fondly of those memories. And he's speaking in a letter to his son, his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason... Say that with me. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave, gave us, does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The first point I want to talk about today is this. You must recall what God has done. You must recall what God has done. 2 Timothy 1.4 says this, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Recalling your tears, whatever you went through that caused you to weep. Whatever you, I don't know what it was that Paul thought back on Timothy's tears. Maybe they were having a time of prayer together. Maybe they were talking about the struggles. Maybe they were talking about destiny. Maybe Paul was prophesying over Timothy that he would oversee a great church, that he would do a great thing. And he's recalling, he's remembering those tears. He's, he's pulling it back. The word recall means this. Listen to this. Bring a fact, event, or situation back into the mind, especially so as to recount it to others. The Bible says there's power in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of your testimony. That's what Paul is saying. That's what this word means. I want you to recall what God has done. I need you to pull it up. The problem is we're always pulling up all the junk, and we're allowing other people to pull that junk up. So, man, I'm believing God to do this. Eh, I'm going to start another business. Didn't the last one fail? And they're always there recalling all the bad stuff. They're just pulling up more obstacles, more giants, more stuff to keep you from doing what it is that God has called you to do. And so what you have to do, Paul said this, this one thing I do. Here he's recalling the tears. But yet he says this, it almost seems like oxymoron. He's saying this, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and pressing on. What was he doing? I'm forgetting. I'm not going to let the time I held the coats while the stoning of Stephen. 
your friends. I ain't bringing that up no more. What I am going to bring up is the times I was shipwrecked three times. I'm going to bring up the times got me got out of that. I'm going to bring up the time that I was sitting by the fire shipwreck and a poisonous snake come out and bit me and everybody was sitting around waiting for me to die. Have you ever been there? I'm going to, I'm going to recall that. I didn't die. You thought I was going to die. You hoped I was going to die. Some of you couldn't wait, but I didn't die. And he's pulling those things up. One definition means this. I love it. Call up stored computer data for processing or displaying at a later time. Woo! Man, oh man. I remember the first time, man, God started doing stuff in Africa. The first time we built three churches in one year, I thought I died and went to heaven. I thought it was amazing. Now we're building a church every 10 days. It's not good enough, man, because I'm facing my destiny. I don't have any money, but God's got the money. God's got the money. Man, we had a terrible July and August, and I don't mind telling you, two weeks ago, the last two weeks, I've raised $200,000. I had a pastor come to me and tell me that, that he's going to build a church every single year. If you just add that up, that's a lot of money. God did that. And you may say, well, we don't need the money to raise a church. Yes, you do. I've spent that money. I spent it before I got it. We're recalling what God has done. We're reminding of ourselves of the things that he's done. What are you recalling? What are you bringing up? Are you bringing up the shame? Are you bringing up the guilt? Are you bringing up your sin? Are you bringing up the tragedies that all of us have gone through? I decide to talk about my four children, not the one I lost who died. God got us through that. So the most loneliest day in my life was sitting in a cold room in a hospital as my wife gave birth to one of our children who's now in heaven. But I keep moving forward because I got four children and on this planet who are all serving Jesus and there's work to be done. God is getting, you understand what I'm saying? I recall not the pain, but I recall the favor and the peace that passes all understanding in those situations and those circumstances. I celebrate my recovery. I don't pull back all the terrible things and all the, the, the shame and the guilt of all of that. But I look forward to what God wants to do in my heart and my life. 2 Samuel 17, 36 says this. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Man. He's recalling the bear was coming. Was he the cause? No. Saving the sheep was the cause. I got 130-something goats and sheep, 18 cows in Africa. We don't have bears, but we have hyenas and we have lions. He's remembering what God. And I'm sure when the lion come, the thought came through his head, well, I, I got through the bear, I'll get through the lion. And when he come up and he said, is there not a cause? He knew at that moment the same God that delivered him from the bear and the lion will also do the exact same thing to the giant. Didn't matter how big it was. That was the biggest obstacle that, that he had ever faced to that point. But he trusted God. He believed God. It was his testimony. I have an example of this precious woman who had came um, to our place. She walked uh, 
20 miles. Started a church in Africa. And, and 10 years, she was underneath the tree. She heard we were building buildings. She came to us, and she said, man, uh, I heard you were building buildings. And I'm like, where did you come from? She said, I've walked 20 miles to get here. I think she said 30 kilometers, something like that. And, and I just said, oh, anybody that does that, we're going to build you a building. And so we came to her, and we got under a tree, and we built. Uh, we said, man, we're going to build you a building. It's coming. The man in that picture with the hat is her husband. Arranged marriage. He was much older than her. Mean to her. Beat her. Town village drunk. And for 40 years, they had been married. And all her children and her grandchildren, as she started that church, they're all serving Jesus. That's her crying right now because she's testifying. And he always told her, God will never build you a church. There is no God. He'll never build a church. And she said, God's going to build me a church. The Mazunga, the white guy's coming, and he said he's going to do it. He said, you'll never have a church. It'll never happen. And all of a sudden, we brought all the materials there, and we began to build that church. We can build a church in one week, and we built that church. That Sunday, we came to dedicate that building. She's testifying. I had no idea about any of this. She started testifying. That morning, he woke up and put his whole um, uh, Maasai warrior outfit on and she woke up he was already up outside she goes what are you doing he said i'm going to church she goes he he was with from here to your tent out there from that church building or from underneath that tree he heard all the songs every sunday never once came to church not once mocked her for it and beat her for it and he says i'm going to church he said only god could do that and that morning he got to church and he was on the front row. I thought he was saved. He knew all the songs because he had heard them every single Sunday for 10 years. And he come down. I gave the altar call. He walked up to the front, knelt down. I led him to the Lord. A little old lady started walking down. Had to be in her 90s. She came down. I found out later it was his mom. She said, I'll never get saved unless he gets saved. And she's testifying of this recalling all the times that she prayed and believed and trusted God that he would get saved after the beatings, after the drinking. Every time we do a church in that area, him and her are the first ones there to greet me, hugging me, hasn't drank, hadn't beat her, loves Jesus, doing these incredible things of God, man. We got to learn to hold on. The second thing is this. You must be reminded of what God has given you. Second Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. What he's saying is, is I want to remind you, you've got something. You got something. I remember the first time I went through counseling and, and my drinking, and the, the counselor looked at me, the very first thing he says, Wayne, I want you to know something. You're not just an alcoholic. And he just began to lift me up. He says, you're this, and you're this, and you're this, and you're this. But all I could see was I was that. And he's reminding me of who I am. He was, remind, Christian man, reminding me of what God had given me. And this morning, I want to remind you of who you are. I want to remind you of what God has given you. Every tool, God has given me every, all the money. It's not in my hand yet, but he's given me all the money for all those churches. 
The word there, remind, means someone to remember someone or something. Bring something, especially a commitment or necessary cause of action to the attention of someone else. It is not just remembering something in this verse. It's reminding yourself what God has given you, what God is calling you, who God is. Whenever I look at the insurmountable odds of all that we have to go through and everything that we have to do, man, I'm just reminded of who God says that I am. I have everything that I need to do, everything that he's called me to do. I just got to remember what's at my table. And I can't let the enemy, God put, David said that for two reasons. God did that in front of the enemy to show the enemy what he's given you. He says, I want to brag on my children for a moment. Look at what they've got. They've got every single thing, every single thing they need, they've got it on this table right here. He wanted to show. He wanted to brag on you. He wanted to brag on what he had done for his children. We just got to make sure that the enemy doesn't come and steal it. He's sharing their heritage, their legacy. My heritage and my legacy is alcoholics. I changed that with me. My kids won't go through what my great-grandparents, my grandparents, and my dad and mom went through and what I went through. They're not going to go through that. We've changed that. And I'm reminding them of their legacy. I'm reminding them of who they are in Jesus. I'm reminding they're not that, but they're this. Sometimes we remember what we aren't what we don't have. I don't have the tools. I remember saying this first thing I said, I don't know no millionaires. I don't know anybody. I know people who know people. I know a guy who's worth $5 billion, brought me to his ranch, said he's going to bless me. Hadn't seen a thing. It's people like you and me that take what God has given us and Give it away. We've planted four churches in America because we believe in the local church. We believe what it represents, not only here, but for us. One of these examples, and I'm not going to get to my third point, but I, I want to share this story with you. God gave me a ver this verse. He says, it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. And I'll share this story and we'll end. We're now doing uh, churches in an area called Loita Hill. It's witch doctors, full of witch doctors. And the most famous witch doctor in all of Kenya and Tanzania is there. 94 years old. He's um, uh, the most famous witch doctor ever. Matter of fact, his name, his picture is in the parliament. It'd be like going to the White House and seeing this big, huge picture of a witch doctor. He's there. The, the president of Kenya has come and gotten readings from this man. You mention his name anywhere in the bush. I don't care how far deep you go. Everybody knows him. And we started building churches up on Loita Hill. 
I went through the, one of the most darkest nights of my life out in the bush, and I've seen some stuff. I've preached funerals and had witch doctors and possessed people spitting at me while I'm preaching. I've, I've, had, I've had that. I don't think too much about it, not because I'm all strong and mighty. I just kind of dumb that way. And so we started building churches up there. We, I had the worst night of my life, and I called my wife. I said, I feel like I'm having a stroke. Now, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So if you get bit by a snake, just kneel down. You're about to meet Jesus. You have a heart attack, you're gone. You have anything. I thought I was having these strokes. I closed my eyes. It was like the kaleidoscope thing was happening. It was, it was horrible. I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep that night. And I told my wife, it was Sunday night. We just dedicated church. We were going tomorrow to buy more uh, uh, lumber for uh, materials for, for that week. And I was struggling. I called my wife. I said, you call our prayer warriors and pray. I don't know what's going on. I didn't want to tell her. I honestly thought I was dying. I thought something physically was happening to me. And as the sun came up uh, and just this battle, I realized I'm, I'm away. I'm alive. And it began to subside as the sun came up. I won that night. I didn't know what I won, but I knew I won. It was what I call critical mass in our ministry. Was I going to succumb to the fear? Or, or was I going to uh, look at what God wanted to do? That day, my ministry partner, Pastor Kalusu, he says, Wayne, I just want to let you know where we're going tomorrow. And I said, well, where are we going? He says, we're going to an area called Loita Hill. He says, it's flooded with witch doctors. He says, even some of the pastors up there take their Bibles and they cast bones on them and they prophesy demonic things to the people. I said, on the Bibles? He says, on the Bibles. He says, we're going up there and we're going to believe God to plant some churches up there. I'm sorry, man, let's go. I realize now why I'd went through I went the night before. But I had told my wife, call our prayers. I have a friend of mine, Matt, who's real prophetic, you know, and he prayed for us, and he went to sleep that night and had a dream. And um, on the way home, I told Denise, I said, this is why I went through what I went through last night. We're going up to a place called Lord to explain the whole thing to her. And she goes, oh, my God, did you read what the dream Matt had last night? After I told him to pray for it, I said, no. He, put, he wrote it down and put it on Facebook for you and messaged it. I said, all right. He DM'd me. So I went to read it, and he said this. He goes, I had a dream, and I was above looking down. And he says, there was this man in color, a very colorful outfit throwing what looked like dice on a Bible. And there was angels above. He says, as it came closer, he said, I saw that it was bones being thrown on the Bible. And he said at that moment, the angels broke it up. The bones disappeared, he said, and everything turned to color, and that's the end of my dream. I have no idea what this means. God bless you. And I'm like, man. So then I started getting excited because I know, like, God is in this thing, Right? Because we didn't tell him about that dream. We didn't tell him about any of that. He, God downloaded that to him to give to me to let me know, don't fear because the same God that delivered you from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion will now deliver you. Come on. And so we got up there. 
Another lady that was one of our intercessors, she did me. She said, I'm praying Isaiah 61 over that whole mountain. Isaiah 61 over that whole mountain. She kept repeating it over and over. I'm like, okay, awesome. We get out there. We're meeting two pastors out there. We meet under the tree. The pastor says, before we start, God gave me a chapter. I want to read it to you. It's Isaiah chapter 61. So I'm getting even more excited, right? I'm like, man, God is in this thing. God spoke to me immediately, and he said, if you build 100 churches on this mountain, I will rectify this whole problem. Because we had pastors that got saved, but they didn't know what to do. They were still doing their witch doctrine thing at the same time. And so we just came into that mountain, and we just started building churches. I told my friend about it. I was preaching, and I didn't, well, actually, I didn't tell him about it. I was just preaching, and they're called Tower Hill. And so... Uh, I'm telling him all about Loyalty Hill and everything. I didn't say anything that God downloaded in my spirit. We should build 100 churches. He got up there and he said, man, I feel like God wants us to build 100 churches on this mountain. And I'm like, man, look, look what God is doing. And what, I'm, what I am telling you is this. When you begin to remind yourself of who you serve, who you serve, you serve God. And I know in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of all this, you're going, man, I just thought all I see is giants. All I see is bears. All I see is lions. And I am with you. In 2016, our ministry just dropped. We were doing great. It just dropped. People quit giving, all that. It was an election year. I had to go pick up dead bodies at night. That's the only thing I'm qualified to do but build churches. And I have a record. I can't get a job at Walmart, even if I wanted to. And so my buddy owns a funeral home and says from 8 in the morning to 8 at night, you'll pick up dead bodies. I'd get a, a call saying there's a body here, there's a body there, and I would go and I'd pick up the bodies. But I'd keep reminding myself of the God I serve, and I would not give up and would not quit. And after 2016, 17, 18, 19, forget 2020, and 21 and now 22, we have had record years. So we started building churches on this mountain. This, where's the picture? Come on, there it is. That's the witch doctor. He says, I want to meet the Mzunga. That's the white guy. He says, I want, to, I want to meet the Mzunga who's building churches on my mountain. So I'm like, okay. Now, I bought in drugs in Colombia from cartel. We, it was the 80s. Matter of fact, I used to drive by here on the way to a business we had that we laundered money, and it's a whole nother story. But I was like a little freaked out. He says, I want to meet. So we get up there. He's so sick, he can't get up. He's under a tree. And we brought a Bible. We came there, and he looked at us, and through the translator, he said, I want the guy who's building churches on my mountain. That ain't his mouth, it's God's mountain. He said, I want you to pray for me because what you're doing, I'm seeing what's happening and I want you to pray for me. So we handed a Bible and we prayed for him. He was so sick he couldn't get up. Just been laying there. They were bringing food to him. And we laid hands on him and we prayed for him. And God healed him. We went and got chai tea with his fifth wife. We came out. He was standing up for the first time in two days. He goes, I felt magic in my body. He said, will you please stay? I said, no, we're going to meet a church up, up here that's been under, under a tree for 20 years. See, his third wife, the only way they'd let him marry, his arranged marriage, is if they said you would let her stay a Christian because we know who you are. And he said, I'll do it. And, and she can raise the children. 67 out of 600 family members 
67 are saved. So I go to the church under 20 years, all 67 of them are there waiting. They've been 20 years under a tree. He would never let them build a building. I said, we're building one now. And he said, okay, and we built that building. Flash forward to three, six months ago, I told his son, who's a pastor, I said, you tell your dad to give land on his property. Well, I can get land to know on his property because this is no longer going to be a stronghold for witch doctors. It's going to be a stronghold for God. You ask, he said, he won't do it. I go, yes, he will. He went to him and said, dad, I want you to give me land on your property so I can build a building. He looked him in the eye and says, okay. And he did that. We came, we built that building. And as we were coming in, he said, would you meet the witch doctor at home? I said, no, I got 300 people here. We're getting ready to dedicate a church. I said, if he wants to come, he can come to us. And he did. Little teeny car comes by. He, he was afraid that people would see him, so he was in the back of the church. We got in the back of the church. He says, my knees are so bad I can't walk. I want you to pray the magic again. So I basically prayed the plan of salvation over his life. Laid hands, my wife laid hands. My wife, just everything gets healed, she touches. So I just let her, and she put her hands on his little, his little bony 94-year-old knees and prayed for him. He stood right up and goes, I feel the magic again. He looked at me and he says, I heard you're doing what you call triangle of hopes. I said, yes. He goes, I want to give you 10 acres to build a triangle of hope. His three brothers, all witch doctors, have all given their lives to Jesus. What we're seeing on that mountain is absolutely incredible. What I'm telling you is this, that your cause is worth fighting for. Recall the things that God has done, no matter how little they are, no matter how insignificant it seems, pull it up. Remember who you are and all that God has given you and start fighting. Stand to your feet this morning. Listen to me. Acts chapter 28 and 20 says this, for this reason, I am bound with this chain. Ephesians 3.14 says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Colossians 1.9 says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Ephesians 1.15 says this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I've not stopped praying for you. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after your dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out your problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity and don't let go. Live like it is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. Don't let what is wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase your reason. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that we would chase our reason, Lord. That we let no giant God, no devil in hell, Father, come in and rob us from our table, from the purposes and the plan, God, that you have given us. We love you today and we thank you, God. And we decide to fight in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen. God bless you. Come on, give God praise. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.